Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is the show where geeks talk about God and uh, God followers talk about geeky stuff. My name is Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. How are you, Mike? You're uh, you're back again. Dude, I gotta tell you, man, it was crazy. I, I the, the next month or so is just insane with crazy activities with youth group kids that usually involve entire weekends. Can I tell you, man, <laughs> just since we've been recording this show, I don't know, we're on, what, episode 17, 18, somewhere in there, I, I think you've been to, like, two or three retreats, you've done an overnighter. Uh, man, I, I'll tell you what, folks out there listening, when you think about your youth pastor at your church, think about him as the lazy guy who just hangs out with teenagers and does uh, kind of nothing all day. No, man, these guys work uh, in ways that I'll tell you I don't want to do. The things that I do for the youth of America. <laughs> I, I, yeah, more power to you, my friend. Because uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to go spend you know a weekend away at a retreat by myself. Not in mind with uh, uh, a group of teenagers. But uh, how'd it go? It went really well. This weekend was not a weekend for us to be, like, retreating, as it were. This weekend was much more about our kids serving at the camp that uh, was hosting a bunch of other kids that were there for the retreat. Very cool. So, whereas the other kids were off enjoying, you know, great worship music and cool speakers, uh, we were doing maintenance on the grounds of the camp. Uh, We were, you know, grinding metal bench holders, and we were... uh, draining out ponds and skimming pond scum so that they can put in filters and and all that sort of fun stuff that goes on behind the scenes that lets a place like this actually function. All right, so this week, you guys happen to be serving at a camp. But let me ask you a question. I Kind of something I've always kind of wondered. Mm-hmm. I think Christians just about anywhere kind of know what about camp. Right. Well, yeah, it's part of the it's part of it's, the traditional it's part of the American Christian. tradition, and it's actually even part of the Christian tradition way way before us evangelicals. Uh, I went to camp, uh, but I'll tell you, going to a Christian camp that was like that was something completely new. Um, I think maybe I went to like a, a school camp when I was in junior high. I went to a Boy Scout camp, uh, but you know, out here in California, camp is not a thing. Now, when I think about camp, I think about your neck of the woods. Oh yeah, I think we're, about you know we're camp, with them. camp Chatta Quandake and and stuff like that. And is, so is camp more of a of a thing where you are? Oh, camp is definitely a thing. I worked at a summer camp in South Jersey uh, years ago. I uh, this one actually is in New York. It's called Lake Champion. It's a young life camp, and it is an amazing place. But yeah, there are camps left, right, and sideways around here. Uh, Pretty much anywhere where you have a large group of trees, and especially if that large group of tre- of trees contains a mountain or a body of water, there's a camp there. So how does that affect the, the ministry aspect of it? The fact that kids go to camp all the time anyway? You know, well, here, uh, when you say, hey, let's go to camp, there are pa- parents who aren't Christians who are like, my kids never go see the trees. Let's send them to go see trees. Cool. Well, I think there is a little bit of that, too, um, because not all, I mean... The wonderful thing about New Jersey is is that you're you're basically an hour away from everything. Uh if you ask your average New Jersey person, "Oh, how far are you away from New York?" About an hour. "How far are you away from the beach?" About an hour. "How far are you away from the mountains?" About an hour. That's uh, so- that's not a bad place to be. 
It's not, and I, I love that. I love that aspect of this state. I think it's great that you can pretty much hop in your car and get to anywhere, including three or four different states. So so the idea is that not everybody gets to see all of it at the same time. So, you know, if you're uh pretty much like an upstate kid, oh we're gonna go down to the we're gonna go down to the shore. Uh, or, you know, you get, you get the guys who are in South Jersey and they're like, wow, we don't really have a lot of the mountain stuff. Let's get in our car and go there. You definitely get the, the opportunity to get out of what your normal is. Now, granted, you might have a different shade of that kind of normal where you are here in Jersey, but it's still getting away and seeing something different. Well, and I think that's actually part of the, the part of the spiritual viability of camp. Is oh, it just, just simply that getting out of the norm and seeing something different. Yeah, and, changing and think, the paradigm. Yeah, well, and I think there's even something biological to that, right? I mean, psychologists and, and people who do brain studies will tell you all of the time that, you know, just by changing a the route you take to work or just by uh, flashing an image, an unexpected image in front of you or something like that, your brain all of a sudden begins to seek out new paths. And in a way, that's what we do when we take kids or adults or any of us to camp or a camp-like experience. And, uh, and it sounds like you guys had a, had a good week. Yeah. Well, even, I Weekend. mean, to kind of, to kind of go through that whole deal, it's, I mean, there was even one of the dads who was picking up his kid and like, he's like, Oh, so what were you guys doing? He's like, well, your boy was, just, you know, helping out with the dish pit, working out with the industrial dishwasher. And he goes, he never washes dishes at home. I go, well, he's probably not going to like doing it now either. But he, <laughs> this weekend, he was washing dishes like a champ. <laughs> uh, that's cool. It sounds like you had a, a pretty good weekend. Uh, you know, actually, we have a, a mutual friend. Uh, yes, we who, do. Next weekend. The next weekend he, is he, we're recording this. Last weekend is everybody's listening. He, he, he announced it. He announced it in real time yesterday. Right. And uh, he, he's actually mentioned it a couple of times on the show I host with him. Guys can read. His name's Kevin McGill. Uh, he is a uh, young adult fantasy author. Young adult author. We don't need to paint him into the corner of fantasy. True. And he has a book launch coming up. Literally. Literally. He is sending his book into the stratosphere, into the great black blue beyond. He is launching a book into space. I'm I'm really excited about this concept. I I love every aspect of it. I love the fact that he is traveling to Houston, like right outside of NASA, to make this happen. <laughs> yeah, in fact, we're, something... we can't we can't record. Guys can read tomorrow because he's going to NASA to get his spacecraft. There is something truly beautiful about driving to NASA to go get the the high altitude weather balloon that he is going to strap his book to to make this work. And and I definitely. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm excited for him because that I I've been telling people. I said I have cool friends who do cool things. You know, I I, I feel like I've been where I'm put to shame. I mean, I've done some cool things in my life. I've been a geek for a long time, but I have never sent anything into space. And let's just be honest: sending something to space, short of going to space ourselves, sending something to space that is that is our highest peak. That is our the dream of all dreams for geeks. Especially if that thing that you're sending into space is a work that you created. Yep, that, even more, even more. So he's going to be, uh, if you happen to live in Texas, uh, look up, because there might be a balloon above you right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, since, uh, unfortunately, this is coming out after the launch, 
you might again though if you live in Texas you might need help he needs help finding it I'm guessing at this point uh, projecting in the future but it's a possibility uh, but you can go to nicholasandcompany.com uh, actually it's uh, Nicholas and CO as in you know the abbreviation for the company. abbreviation on like a old timey Victorian business kind of uh, thing dot com and uh, you can find out about that. You'll be able to watch the video, assuming it uh, comes down in a recoverable location. We're all hoping that it comes down in a recoverable... Actually, I'm going to be honest with you, and I've told Kevin this. Um, I'm hoping for it to take off like a rocket ship, ascend to about like 2,000 feet, and then just get smited by an awesome Dallas lightning bolt. And I want the thing to just explode in a shower of sparks and come trailing down, burning pieces of the book, coming down as he's going to be so angry at me when he listens to this episode. Yes, Uh, he will, but it will be totally worth it. But that's what I want. I told him I'm praying hard for it. And uh, yeah, that's what I want to see. I'm guessing that God is not going to actually smite his book out of the sky. So it will be up in space. You'll be able to watch a video of that. On nicholasandcompany.com. <laughs> so, man. Uh, so, uh, getting ready for this episode, we kind of were talking back and forth, and we realized that we've had some sort of negative experiences l- recently. I, I don't want to call them negative experiences. It's, it's hard to know how to, how to say it. it I, see, negative experiences would mean that you try something, it's awful, and then you get rid of it. Okay. I, I, can't, I can't label this as an awful experience. I refuse to. It's just unfortunate. Sad... Unfortunate is a much better word there for you this. Go. Yeah, we have been doing some evaluation, some personal evaluation. In some cases, well, in my case, it's a financial uh, observation. And uh, Luke and I have both had the terrible misfortune to realize that there may not be enough space within our existence to fit sweater anymore. I, in fact, canceled. Now, I, my account still plays out for another 20 or day, so days or so, uh, but I did press the cancel button. It's, it was, oh, uh, I did, it, I did too, and it's just, it hurts me, because I so desperately want to be a part of this, I will not take back any of the good things I said about this, this game, I, I would encourage you that if you are not in my situation, and want to play a game, I would highly point you towards this game. It's just, Luke, I don't know about you, but I have discovered that I just haven't had the kind of time that warranted a monthly charge. Right. Now, okay, so there is the financial question. You're getting married. You just got the apartment, by the way, folks, for yes, who were listening yes, last fr- time. Yes. Uh, and so you have this massive life shift happening. That I think anybody would look at and go, okay, guy decides, doesn't have time, doesn't want to put the finances toward it. That, that's legit. Absolutely. Help me figure out my way here a little bit. Uh, I, I will walk with you towards this thing. Money-wise, it's fine. You know, I, I, I can handle that. I'll tell you why I quit. I, I quit really simply because I wasn't playing. Well, that just makes sense. Sure. Why would you continue <laughs> to do something if you're not using it? Well, and right, exactly. And so the question really isn't, you know, why did I quit? It's why wasn't I playing? 
And, uh, you know, as I, as I kind of think through it, I think part of that is just a, a sort of a seasonal waning that happens, right? We've gone through the summer movie series. We've gone through all the fall TV releases. We've gone through all of the holiday video game explosion. And I, I'm just sort of a little screened out at the moment. I kind of want to do real stuff. Until I get <laughs> until the sun comes out and it gets all hot and I get all tired and I'm ready to go hang out in the movie theater again. Yes. Uh, so I, I do think there is some of that vibe. But I'll tell you what, man. It's been a long time since I've played an MMO. Jumping back into an MMO, there were things about it that I loved and things about it that really kind of creeps me out a little bit. Not Not about the people playing. It's not like anything like that. But just about myself and about my experience with these kind of games and my my sort of obsessive need to be the first to 50 and to be all of these things to make sure that I, I have that much more DPS than the other guy or whatever. And, and almost immediately for me, I was like, there are aspects of this that are stopping being fun. Not because the game is bad. It's a really great game. But because for me, something about that... I don't know, it, it sort of like caught into some of the negative uh, history I have there with uh, MMOs. Well, I, I think that there's a valid concern there, because I uh, hopped on Facebook and I had, you know, pushed the like button on Sweater, and so for a while there I was getting the constant barrage of this update's happening and we're doing this and what do you like about this game and everything like that. And every once in a while, I would click on the comments from people, and the comments were all the same. Wow is better, sweater sucks, you know, fix this, da-da-da-da-da. And one thing that kept coming over and over and over again, I need more endgame, I've already leveled, like, four characters to 50, what's going on? I'm like, wow, guys, why this complete obsessive need to max everything out as soon as possible. Why did you rush to this knowing that there wasn't anything there? Well, and I think that, you know, it's interesting. For me, uh, both Star Wars Galaxies and World of Warcraft kind of were happening at the same time. And so they had a similar vibe, a similar feel to me. Both of them, in my memory at least, took a really long time to level. And there was a sense in which the player and the community and the game were all sort of slowly evolving together. And it occurs to me that I really enjoy that. I really enjoy being part of that sort of grassroots moment, right? I like being the guy who can say, yeah, I wasn't quite uh, old enough or young enough, however you say that, to be there for, you know, first edition D&D, but I was there for advanced D&D. Right, I was there before it was cool. I was there before there wait, were trolls. Wait, 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 wait! Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you just say D and D is cool? Well, yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> All right, I just had to throw that out there. You Continue. caught me. You caught me. You did. Uh, yeah, and and that's I scold people for saying things like that. My bad. Uh, <laughs> but before you know, before there were trolls. Right? Right. Because... Oh, I missed to... the days before there were trolls. But do you, you kind of get what I'm going for here, is that some, when you're... Minecraft, 
Yes. Right? I didn't play Minecraft, but I knew a lot of people who did. I looked at the game and went, why in the world would you want to play this mess? But these were people who were like, dude, we're creating this stuff. We're we're figuring out how the game, the game doesn't even know how to do these things yet, and we're making it do it. And they were building that experience. Oh, I love Minecraft. And, well, there you go. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that when we come to a game like Sweater, it's a great game, polished game, super, I mean, they just do everything right, but... It's the, I hate to say this, I'm sorry folks if I insult you, it's the second wife syndrome. <laughs> I always think the second wife's going to be better than the first, but it never really turns out that way. And, you know, I I kind of feel like that's what happened to me. Well, I, I mean, I think that's that's the nature of the beast. I mean, we always think that, you know, you, you go into it saying this one's going to be different. Like, like that last one, that that one really burned me. But this one, this one's going to be different, and you know, a lot of it is the same. I mean, a lot of these games, uh, by the by the time you're really counting the numbers and you know, crossing all the T's and dotting the I's, you've put in a lot of time into this thing, and it it pretty much stops you from doing other stuff. Well, yeah, and I think that that's that also for me is is part of it is that I I'm just doing so many different things at the moment that I can't have that one obsessive thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of okay with that. No, I don't think anybody, either one of us would s- tell somebody that, that's still playing, oh my goodness, you need to get out, that's an nope, awful not thing. At all. No, not at all. I I mean, even even as Luke and I were discussing the fact that we were canceling, it was like, oh, I, I, it, it had to happen. I just, I pushed the button. I just did it. I didn't, it's not like we were... More, you know, it's not like we. Uh, I was so I'm so close that I'll tell you what. If there was a Mac client, I probably wouldn't have canceled. Uh, right. That, that's how close I am because there are times that I want to sit down and play for 15 or 20 minutes. But the fact, okay, now I have to go through the process of rebooting, which means I'm more committed to this. Which means I need an hour or two to play. I'm not going to do that. But I would love to be able to just jump in, jump out. Uh, but that's a, these just not a, not a the kind of game where you can jump in, jump out, and and for me, like I like I said, it's mostly the fact that I don't have enough time right now between church and getting married. I don't have a lot of time to play to a level that is right. worthy of the the monthly charge. If they took away the monthly charge, if they jumped on the bandwagon that like Lord of the Rings Online and Everybody Champions wow. Online and everyone but Wow. If they jump on that bandwagon, I am totally back in. But I don't have enough time to warrant playing a game that's a monthly charge. As it stands, I've already kicked out all sorts of other things, like the fact that I don't even have an Xbox Live anymore. Right, I also have uh, canceled Xbox Live. Because I just don't have the time to play a game enough to warrant a charge. Yeah, you know, when it comes right down to it, everybody, we each have to make those decisions. And I, I'll be honest, I'm surprised at the decisions I'm making. Uh, I would not, yeah. you know, when I, when I look at my day, or even my week, uh, I haven't played Mass Effect 3. Oh, uh, I have intentionally not bought Max, Mass Effect 3. I, I have Kingdoms of Amalur, and it's, it's in my Xbox, but I just haven't been able to get myself into it. Uh, you're going to hate me for this one, Mike. I sent back Arkham City. Oh, did uh, you? Yeah, uh, Assassin's Creed Three. 
or whatever this one's called. Um, you know, uh, just, I, I played for a while. It was kind of, this is not fun enough for me to use my time on this right now. Uh, I have other things that for me at the moment are more fun. You know, I, I and I think that that's, you know, it's those decisions that we all make. Well, yeah. And, and, uh, I actually had a moment with one of the, the girls at youth group and she was like, I think I'm becoming a geek. And she said it with this, <laughs> she said it with this tone. She's, yeah, she said it with this tone that was like, I, I don't want this to happen. Like, I, something's not right with me. And I said, I said, don't, why, why are you upset by this? And, you know, she, she had this really weird idea of what it meant to be a geek. And I said, that's not, that's not it at all. It means you're really passionate about a subject and you learn the ins and outs and sideways of that thing. And she goes, oh. All right then. I like 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 I was opening some kind of great gateway into geekdom that it was now okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike. Can we talk about the uh, the girl geek gateway that is <laughs> that is uh, the, the Hunger Games? The, the Hunger Games, the big one. It's everywhere. You cannot avoid it. Katniss is on the big screen. Oh my goodness! And you can't uh, the, hide. The you fans can't run. are rabid. My mother asked to borrow my copy of the book. Um, I was in a bookstore today. I watched somebody spend forty dollars on the CD audiobook, folks. AudibleTrial.com/slash/gcr. Do uh, it. Do it. And uh, you know, but I, I, it is huge, and it's been huge for quite a while, man. Oh, I normally you see movies being made after books, but the books have been out for for quite a while. Or, or you know, the, I mean, I I've never right. the seen the books sell after the movie is what you're saying. Yeah, like the books explode after the movie comes out. Like somebody somebody reads the book, and it's been sitting on the shelf for a while, and then somebody makes the movie, and all of a sudden goes, "Oh, this was a book," and then the books kind of go after that. Right. These books you get, have you get never the new co- waned. You get the new cover with the star of the movie on the cover. Oh, uh, I, I hate those. <laughs> but these, I hate those so much. They have been huge since the day they came out. They, there's never been a moment. There was there was before Hunger Games, and the minute Hunger Games happened, Amazon and then top every, 10. Yeah, every moment since then, it has been in the top ten, if not the top one. So let's talk a little bit about The Hunger Games. Let's talk about what it's about. Let's talk about what it is great about it. And, and I think we can even get to some of the spiritual imp- implications of uh, a book like Hunger Games. So, uh, <laughs> Nothing says good times like talking about the spiritual implications of a book about a bunch of teenagers killing themselves or killing each other. This is true. Uh, well, there you go. You kind of described it. What is the book about? It's about teenagers killing each other. Um, we are in a dystopian future. And uh, basically a genocidal, terrible government, uh, central authority power uses a a thing called the Hunger Games as a means both of um, placating the masses, but also of uh, restraining and holding down the masses. Uh, uh, Kids are drawn from each of the districts, kind of states, if you will. Uh, two children from each, a boy and a girl. They are put into a deathmatch arena that is uh, gigantic. It's uh, basically a huge wilderness. And, uh, you know, 12 go in, or however many it is, and one comes out. 
24, two for me. 20, 24 go in and uh, one comes out and the whole thing is broadcast to the population. And and the population is not only encouraged to watch, they are required to watch. Right. So this is kind of, you know, the vibe of Ender's Game taken to the nth degree. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've read the first book. Uh, Mike, I think you've you've done better. Than I have me. read I have read all three. You have read all three. Uh, my co-host on uh, Guys Can Read has also read all three. Big uh, fan, big proponent of the series. In fact, uh, forced me to read the first one to review it uh, with him on the show. Uh, so, my t- just tell me what you think about the books first before we get into the content. Uh, just tell me what you think about the book. I really enjoy these books. I mean, it's hard to say that to a degree. Because, as we've said, it is a book about, you know, shoving a bunch of teenagers into this scene that is basically, here's a bunch of weapons, kill each other. So it's hard for me to be like, oh yeah, this is awesome, I'm super excited about this. But the way the story is told, it's, it's all told from the perspective of one of these tributes. One of these teenagers who's thrown in there. And, uh, it, it basically goes through her life as a tribute. From the moment that, uh, she actually, I don't want to give away too much, but this isn't too much of a spoiler area here. If we get to spoilers. It's in the, uh, it's uh, in the trailer. trailer, Yeah. If we get into spoiler area, we will of course do our best to throw out the, this is a spoiler warning. But, uh, the whole idea is that her little sister is called, it's basically, you know, the, the, what is it? The bingo pit from, from hell here. Uh, where they pull out the names, and her sister is pulled. And so, rather than have her little sister go into the games, she volunteers herself. And so it's her, from the, from that moment, from the moment she says, you know, I'm coming, you know, I'm going to volunteer for this, uh, through her experience in the games, it's it's crazy, because you're, you go from this woman that, yeah, this 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 person's existence in this middle of nowhere mining town, which is basically what it is, what her district is, and she goes from from being non-existent to being a celebrity, to being non-existent again, until she becomes this epic heroic figure in the games, and she becomes the one that everyone's watching, and by being the one that everyone's watching. She gets like perks because uh, districts can send stuff to the tributes by paying money to the capital, and everything gets funneled back to the capital. So it you get this endless cycle of if we want to win, we got to give the capital money so the capital will give her the thing that will help her win. And so it's 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 definitely a a terrible terrible situation. But the way they tell the story, the way they get inside her head. And the the one thing that I really like, and at the, at the same time, what causes me to be really annoyed by it is the same thing. This is a teenage girl who went from living a teenage girl life, wondering if, you know, this boy likes her and everything, into, I'm going to kill these people or they're going to kill me. And so every once in a while you get these moments, like, she finds herself in this weird little love triangle, like, I really like this guy, but I think this guy likes me. And she's treating it like a teenage girl would. And so me, as a guy who spends a lot of, you know, way too much time with teenage girls, I'm just like, wow, they actually think that way. 
This I can see, like I can name kids in my youth group who, if they were in this situation, would be in this situation. And it's just, it's a really interesting read just to see her develop. And I don't want to get too much into it because to reveal what goes on in the second and third books will totally be spoiler for the first book. Well, I think you you also nail exactly why this book is as big as it is. Uh, it started by really speaking to its core audience. Like you said, oh, it, yeah. it it tells the story of that teenage girl uh, as a teenage girl would react, and, and, it, and it understands its audience. Uh, but then it, it moves on, and, and certainly it has far outgrown its initial audience of the young adult oh, girl yeah. reader. Oh, it- uh, but uh, I, I I happen to not be either young adult or a girl, and hmm. I think it's amazing. Hmm. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, and I think uh, I think there are reasons why. I mean, there are the, some of the basic sort of psychological, just raw. You know, you're put in a bad situation, you have to survive. But I think that there's also this, and, and for me, it was one of the reasons why reading this book was kind of a strange experience. And again, it's similar to Ender's Game, where you're watching a child do things that child children shouldn't do. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, having a kid, you're like, I absolutely. Uh, the more I read this, the more I feel like I have to defend my kid and and insulate them against well this this kind of uh, some yeah. some of the some of the craziest bits are when you talk about the careers. The careers are basically the closer your district is to the capital, the more you are like the capital. So. Like, uh, like I forget what district handles what, because it's been a while since I've read them, but one of the districts handles, like, we're going to build the machines, and we are going to, you know, we're the military guys. They're really in good with the capital, and there's all this other stuff that basically feeds the capital. And these districts really have all the money and all the power, so they breed these kids pretty much right they're 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 sort of the kids who are trained to be the superstar quarterback exactly but instead of you know playing a sport really well these kids are being trained from birth to kill other kids at at spear throwing and uh improvised weaponry and and the like yeah and so they the, the the at some point there's a cutoff of this district and up you get called the careers, which is basically your existence is training for the games. And the idea of the fact that before these kids turn 18, their whole life is, if I get into the games, I'm going to kill you all. That, oh, that doesn't sit well with me. It never has. You know, and you look at that and you go, okay, well, it's a story. It's a little crazy. But it's a dystopian future story. Now, yeah. I, I kind of want to go two ways with this. One is we really like dystopian futures. Why is that? Oh, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Fallout series for a reason. You know, but the second is I kind of hate to say this, it ain't that far off. So, uh, there's a new TV show. There's a whole lot of TV shows. Um, the the uh, the Looney Crazy Channel, TLC. The Looney Crazy you know Channel. One? Uh, I love that channel. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we, we've kind of gone through the uh, the cycle, if you will, of, um, we'll call them different families. Um, the yeah, gen- let, let's, let's do that. Let's the, be polite and right, not upset. Uh, well, and my wife likes certain of these shows, so I have to watch myself a little bit since she's in the house. <laughs> um, uh, so you have the big family, 
that, uh, you know, happens in, in multiple different ways with multiple different value sets and uh, multiple different um, end games, if you will. Uh, we, we've had the, um, the, the little family, which, I mean, little in a whole different sense. Uh, we've had people who uh, are incredible shoppers. We've had, just, you name it, we've had it. Well, this season, it seems like the, uh, the... Sort They've bitten the, on the 2012 bug and given us right. every person who's built and or living in a bunker. Right. The, the strange family du jour are the preppers. Yes. And if you've never heard the term, a prepper is basically somebody who prepares for the Hunger Games. He prepares <laughs> for a dystopian future. And I've watched, uh, you know, these shows where people are training their seven-year-old kids on how to shoot. Yep. Because they, I mean, it's essentially what's happening in the Hunger Games. Now, obviously, the Hunger Games, it's the whole game thing. It's the whole gladiatorial combat thing. But but there are some similar vibes. I'll tell you, man, uh, there is one show where they are building underground bunkers. Yes. And I didn't catch the whole show, so if I'm wrong, I apologize, people. But I was watching a part of it, just maybe before I had to leave the house or whatever, where they were designing a robotic turret system. So that that if you were to get an automated robotic turret system, which I suppose is inherent in the term robotic, but uh, if you were to get too close, this person had had their bunker that was out in the middle of nowhere broken into. Obviously, this is going to make somebody with a bunker not a happy person. Well, yeah. And so they were designing an automated turret so that if you got too close, it would aim, look at you, tell you, I'm going to kill you now. And then kill you. Oh, wow. That's a little bit outside of normal. A little? But let's be honest, it is our faith that drives an awful lot of the dystopian future thinking. So, Mike, here we are. We love dystopian futures in books. Absolutely. Many people believe that a dystopian future is coming. Yay, Mayans. And many people believe that on the basis of their Christian faith. Go. Oh, what do you want me to talk about dystopian future? I mean, yeah, there's See, a lot you of... you should host more. See, it, 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 you, it, you, you've got to figure out this whole podcasting thing, my friend. I'm the guy who talks more, which means you have to answer the hard questions. Oh, is that how that goes? It is absolutely how it goes. All right, good to know, then. I'll keep that in mind for future. I, you know, I... I, I've never been able to completely wrap my head around the whole dystopian thing. Like, I like it as, I love it as a story setting. Basically the, we've got nothing left, but we're still here to survive, what are we going to do about it thing. I love that. I've been playing the Fallout games since I was able to play Fallout. Everybody loves zombies. Everybody, Everybody loves zombies. That's, I mean, the, uh, what's that? that Even one when you're meme? tired of zombies, you still love zombies. What's that one, uh, that meme that's going across the internet that says something along the lines of, uh, knows step by step what he's going to do for the zombie apocalypse, has no idea what he's doing after graduation? (laughs) I, you know, I, everybody loves zombies. Everybody loves that story. And it's the, because it's your typical push to the breaking point, you know, figure it out or, you know, become dinner for something that has already figured it out. But I don't understand the whole, uh, you brought up the religious aspect of it. 
Like, and I can kind of buy into the whole mind calendar thing, kind of, not really. I'm one of those guys who said, you ever wonder if maybe they just decided they ran out of stone to carve the ca- the calendar into? Seems like a legitimate argument. I I mean, the, the guys made a calendar that lasted this long. I mean, why are you going to fault them for not being able to, to keep it going for another, you know, without adding on another stone to it or something? But, um, and even that is, is fun, uh, a slight tangent here. Somebody pointed out the fact that the Mayans didn't count leap year, because the leap year is definitely a, an, a, it's an American thing, and so if if we take away all the leap years, all the additional days, uh, I think they said that, the, that uh, December of 2012, according to that calendar, would have happened like three months ago. Hmm. <laughs> But I digress. I, I've i never understood why people of a Christian faith who understand about the coming of Christ, who understand about all this stuff, get super worried about a, an apocalypse. Why, we, why we have things like the Left Behind series boggles my mind. <laughs> I, I'm not going to even get started onto what Mike thinks about the Left Behind series. Don't for the sake of uh, for the our sake audience, of, for the sake of good podcasting, we just have the, to let that one go. For the sake of our audience and my microphone that would have to endure my screaming, please don't get me started on Left Behind. Never mind the earpiece in your co-host head. Yes, uh, but you're absolutely right. You know whether it's the Mayan thing. Well, that happens to be a little different, but we endure apocalyptic ends like every couple of months in the Christian community. You know, we have, there's always somebody who's telling us Antichrist is coming. He's that guy. The end is coming on this day. The, uh, doesn't this sound like the end times? Right. The, you know, uh, you know, this new machine, this new weapon, this new this points to this verse in this, this place and that this thing. new economic system, this new right. guy from the Republican Party, this new guy from the Democratic Party. Right. So let's, let's see if we can't, you know, maybe lay some things down here. We're not going to necessarily come to any agreements. We won't come to any conclusions. We encourage everybody to study on their own. Always, always encourage you to study on your own because there's just a lot out there. Right. But Mike, uh, talk to me. How do you feel about the end times? Are we in the end times? Are they coming? Do you, are you concerned about these things? What should we do if we are? I am, I am honestly not concerned about them. I'm really not. Uh, I try to take a very Pauline understanding of the end times. Uh, I love Paul. He does good work. Um, <laughs> the, the, I mean, the guy wrote, you know, so much of the New Testament. And uh, he he has this idea of be prepared, know that it could happen at any time. It could happen by the time I finish this sentence, for all I know. But if it doesn't, don't worry about it. Move on, do the next thing. He he always, if you read his stuff when he talks about, you know, Christ's return, it's always this this idea that it could happen tomorrow, it could happen today, it could happen next minute, but I'm going to just keep working until it does. When he comes back, he's going to find me at my job. He's going to find me at my, about the business of, of talking to people about God. So I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to let God handle that. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep being about his business until he shows up. All right, Mike. So can we make then a definitive statement this far at least to say if anybody is saying this is the end, 
if anybody is pointing to something and saying, this is this, that is that, this is when it's going to happen, they are either wrong or extraordinarily lucky. Yes, I will buy the, that. the scriptural message is, we don't know, and we're not going to know. Jesus Christ himself said, I, I don't know. That, and you know what? I don't me. think it's because... I don't, I don't even know if it, you know, people will argue whether he actually didn't know or he was just saying that because it wasn't for us to know. It doesn't matter. They asked the man point blank, is this it? Is it, what's going on? And he goes, don't worry about it. So when Jesus Christ himself says it's not worth worrying about, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I'm not going to sweat it too much. I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the Paul thing. I'm going to be about God's business. I'm going to do what I'm here for, and I'm going to know that when God shows up, when, when Christ comes back, he's going to find me doing what he told me to do. And that's that's how I'm going to look at it. All right, so let me ask you a more interesting and I think more difficult question. Ooh, I love this. Are we heading for that dystopian future? You know, I think a corollary to the end is coming is often in the Christian community, the end is coming and things are going to get worse. Oh yeah. I I would I would say that I really think uh that a lot of the stuff that we're you know you know you, you get told okay the end is coming. You'll know that the end is coming because of this. The whole everyone loves to quote there will be wars and rumors of wars. No duh, there's always been wars. And they always say okay this is the big one. I, who knows? It might be, it might not be. I don't know. Um I I do think that the if nothing else, the thing that's going to drive us towards this end time is this this growing self-concern. All right, keep talking. I, th- this growing self-concern that it's all about me and mine, it's the bunker mentality. It's the, I hate everyone. <laughs> everyone else sucks. I'm going to, t- to take me and mine, and I'm going to put them in a, a concrete building underneath the ground, and anybody who comes within 50 feet of my place, I'm going to shoot. Because clearly they're going to kill me. You know, I think that's that's been now, the, the the destructive force of humanity from the beginning. Yeah, no, you take your sheep uh, and don't you have them come over to my field? And if you do, I'm going to be annoyed about it and kill you. Right. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's gather everything now, into a city. Let's build some walls and separate each other out. You know, from the very beginning of the 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 story of Genesis, we find these things at work. And then the kingdom of God comes along and says, hey, wait a minute, no. I'll tell you what, why don't we do this? Why don't you take your coat and give it to somebody else? Why don't you find somebody who has need and and fulfill that person's need? Why don't you give them some food? Why don't you give them some water? Why don't you give them the message of the gospel? And, you know, I I see the, the, the message of the kingdom of God saying, all of this doom and gloom, we're going to counter that with the teachings of Jesus. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the huge deal. If you look at anything that anyone has pointed to as far as this is the end, this is the antichrist, this is going to lead us, you know, this is going to lead us to the apocalypse. It's it's always this idea that it's all about me and mine. And I I just see that that I don't think that's going away. I don't think it ever will until Christ comes back. I I really think there's going to be now granted you'll have individuals who are going to say I'm going to give up my own stuff. I'm going to sacrifice and do something for the betterment of others. There will always be people like that. And a lot of times, those people will be Christians. I would hope, anyway. That's my call, 
because that's what we're called to do as believers in God. Sadly, that's not even the case anymore. I can cite all you have to do is turn on the news, and if the if if somebody talks about a Christian organization, more often than not, it's talking about how everyone else is sucks and going to hell. But we're awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, there, there's I I I I see us going towards this idea of this dystopian future where uh we're gonna but in order to get to to the, the notion that we have to work together in this in order that for us to get to the point where we're all going to come together or kill each other. I mean, I I'll, I'll cite fallout. I mean, this is a geek podcast. I'm going to cite fallout, which is like one of the greatest dystopian games ever. It's the most widely it's known dystopian anyway. gospel. That's for sure. And the, the idea of, of, uh, some people band together and form little towns and, and, you know, little settlements and try to, to eke out a life together. And then there are the Raiders who realize we have the guns and we're just crazy enough to kill all these other suckers and take their stuff. That's, that's what you find. It, the, 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 the reason I think that we're so jacked up on dystopian stories is that it lays humanity bare and shows us what we're like. And I think that is terrifying and interesting and, you know, Quite frankly, a little bit scary. So, Mike, are you going to be holed up somewhere, or are you going to be eating your neighbors? Uh you know, I I don't think I'm going to be either. I really don't. I I'd like to think that you know I I have enough sense about me that I wouldn't. You're you're gonna be you're gonna be the one founding the city far off to the west, and, and people. No, I'm gonna, people I think will I'm gonna journey. Be, I think I'm gonna be Peter Griffin who says, "Let's find the Twinkie factory and start a city there here." You go. <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, so you you think I, uh, I, you you see things going in a worse way? I I I do see us go. I at least in the way we see, like like I, in a, a lot of ways, I see things getting better. Obviously, I mean, I was just talking the other day about the fact that the the phone in my pocket has weight has exponentially more processing power than the rooms that NASA used to have. So, I mean, in a way, I see a lot of very cool things happening in fields of science and medicine, and even even philosophy and art. I see amazing things happening, and in a lot of ways, things are getting better, right. but I think the way we treat each other is is going way downhill. I think we're only going to get more and more myopic in sight, and we're, we're not going to be doing anything for other people, or we're going to be shouting about how other people need to do stuff for other people while we're taking care of our own. So, for you... The the future is more Fallout than Star Trek. Yes, dude, that's a hard word, my friend. That's a hard word. I, you know, I, I've discovered a long time ago that that if you if you just laid out my philosophy of where we're going, bear, and you just said this is what 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 we're looking for, if you strip all the hope that the gospel gives me, that that's where we're going. Mm. I have often I have often said that. Humanity should be very thankful that I love them and will do anything for them. Because if that wasn't there, I would be the scourge that wipes us from the planet. Because I don't think we deserve the, the it. Super villain. I would be. That would Literally, be a good were job. it not for Christ, were it not for Jesus Christ, I would be a supervillain. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> yeah, I think somewhere in there we have found the title of this episode. <laughs> if not for Jesus, I'd be a supervillain. Uh, you, you know, I think I'd lean a little bit more Roddenberry. 
I do. I am the hopeless, naive idealist that we will find a way that we will create a better future. Well, okay, before you get into this, I'm just going to just talk about perspective on this because I I just came to this realization. I want to get it out there before I lose it. I live in New Jersey, the home (laughs) of the, 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 you know, me and mine and you know, I I take care of my family, and even though that that word family is much more broadened by you know, to, to the, there's a certain level of friendship that becomes like family. If you ain't with us, we don't care. I, I you know, and we, I also I also are, live. We in, are a product of our place, that's for sure. And, and you live out in the middle of this wonderland that is California. Yeah, I, I, and I you, and I we are, just, we do live. I live in hippy dippy land. I do. Yeah, mm. Yes, you do. And so I think that I think that our our visions of future are colored by the what's out our back door. Yeah, in fact, I I actually live pretty close to Starfleet, so uh, nice. you know that that's a thing. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely uh, understand where you're coming from. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I think there is something we probably can agree on, and that is that, that there is a piece of the future that is present right now, and that is the kingdom of God. Absolutely. That no matter what happens to come in the future, the, the kingdom is, is eternal. We will continue right on through whatever that future happens to bring. And God was gracious enough to bring us that kingdom now. He said, you know what? You don't have to wait. Through, your son, through my son, I'm going to give you the kingdom of God here and now. And so whatever the world around us happens to be experiencing, we are that good kingdom. We have the opportunity to be the people who say, no, not me and mine, but all of us. We have the ones, the ability to, to follow Jesus' lead and say, I'm going to give my life for, yeah, you know, it's easy to say I'm going to give my life for my kids, but, but I'm going to give of myself for the people around me. And, you know, we may be the minority, and in the end, we may not win, but we still have it. And I think, you know, rather than building bunkers, uh, we we might want to build some bridges, and uh, try to get out there, and and share uh, what we have found in the kingdom of God and our way into that kingdom uh, through God's Son. Yeah, I I am just a huge proponent of the fact that you know God has has done amazing things for us. We we have never deserved it. We never will. And whether we end up being like you know. If I set up, you know, if I set up shop in Megaton, or if I'm on the, you know, <laughs> or or if I'm, you know, sitting on the the starship Awesome Sauce, I don't care. I, it it's it's God. Hmm. I don't worry about the future. I I know it's coming, and I study about it, and I think about it. I try to to incorporate both what I what what the world is bringing me through science and philosophy and. Uh, education and all that stuff. I take that. I take what I've spent uh, with my own personal experience, with the history of the church, with with the history of the study of scripture, and what even what what God is showing to me even today through His Word. I take all that stuff together to to really point to the fact that no matter what happens in this future, God is still there, and God will never stop being there, and and someday. You know, basically, no one's going to be able to not realize that God is in the center of this. Well, you know, we say it every week, and and we mean it sort of tongue and cheek, uh, but we also we really do mean it. Uh, we don't know how the dice are going to fall. 
No. We don't know what the future is going to bring, but we are absolutely sure that God does. There was an old uh, saying that showed up on a lot of, you know, horrible Jesus junk and a lot of (laughs) t-shirts and everything like that. Uh, I think at one point I had a poster that said this, but it's a true statement, and there was a reason it stuck around as long as it did, no matter how cheesy it was. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Right. And I think, I, you know, we'll be fascinated by dystopian future, we'll be fascinated by, by end time stories until they actually reveal themselves. I, I, I don't know why people get so goosed up about it. I, I don't think I ever will. But, uh, I don't, there's, there's something about knowing that no matter if, if, if the world goes to hell tomorrow, I, I still know that God's there. All right, Mike. Well, I think you've convinced me. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow, I take my kids out in the backyard. We start nunchuck training. And, uh, but uh, in the meantime, while we're out there spinning and flipping and probably hitting ourselves in unpleasant places probably. with nunchucks, <laughs> uh, Mike, how can fi- folks find out a little bit more about you? Uh, the biggest thing, as always, is TinkerStory.com. It's where I have a lot of... Uh, it's my archive for the story that I'm hopefully someday... And hopefully this won't be the dystopian future. Hopefully I will be able to finish this at some day. Uh, it'll be it, Tinker Story is the archive of my story, Tinker. Um, you can also pretty much if you email uh, GameStoreProfits at gmail dot com, I'm the guy who opens that. I'm the guy who gets that. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Shadow of Cyrano for just my random "This is life, this is existence" kind of tweets. And you can also get me on Von Clockwork for all your steampunk needs and also occasional witticisms from one of my favorite characters that I've created, Hodgepodge Von Clockwork. Luke, how can people get a hold of you? Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter, at Luke Navarro. Huge thanks, by the way, for everyone uh, when you when you let us know that you're listening to this show and that you enjoy it. Uh, makes my day. Really does. So thank you for that. Uh, if you're interested in barbecue, if you're interested in traditional cooking and traditional food ways, you can follow me at Fat of the Land on Twitter. You can find out more about this show at GameStoreProfits.com or our Facebook fan page, which is Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. As always, we are so thankful that you're w- with us today, hanging out, thinking about the future. And uh, so it is more appropriate than ever to say that uh, God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.